At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Hey everyone, it's Yasir and I'm calling today with a little favor to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialing a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by a co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now, these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, it's slightly different. And for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Gerard will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you could let me know your thoughts on the new format and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that is at The Coaches Net. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey, guys, you're now listening to The Coaches Network podcast a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A-license football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Gerard, let's kick off tonight's topic, man. How many interventions is enough, and what's too many? What are your thoughts? Well, I think there's many ways we can answer that exact question and and ultimately I hate saying that it depends because of course it does but a lot of it comes back to many things we've said before which is knowing your players I think one thing we've got to always remember is and I I stole this quote from Alex Inglethorpe many years ago on the Advanced Youth Award where he said um, at Liverpool he was the under 21s coach at the time at Liverpool obviously he's now academy director and he said before I say anything any intervention I make, challenge, whatever it may be, I always ask myself, is what I'm about to say going to help or hinder? Because more often than not, we think it's going to help, but actually it hinders. And I actually, funnily enough, did a, a CPD event, a webinar through you, Learnbly, with Stevenage Academy coaches, which is a Cat 3 Academy in England. And we went in deep dived and we looked at a lot of the research where, on average, some coaches are asking 
almost a question every other minute. Um, they're posing over 70-odd questions within an hour, and they're not always self-aware of how many interventions they do, even with the same player. They're not necessarily tracking it or even self-aware of how much has been direct instruction, how much has been quite ambiguous, and it's not quite clear in what the inter- you know the challenge is, and even just different interventions suited to the needs of the players. So I think with all that, I would say, to answer your question, that we've got to be very conscious of how much is too much and how much is the right amount. And ultimately, that comes with time. But you've got to reflect on, is what I'm about to say going to have an impact? So how many is enough and too many, which is your perfect question. I would say with some players, like Dan had said, at Rochdale when I was an academy coach there, uh, and even some other lads like Jamie Allen and, and some other players that were at Rochdale during that time. And we've seen them obviously push on and play for England and play in the championship, play in the football league, play. Obviously Dan's obviously signed for, for at the time Premier League Norwich and played for England under-19s and a few other players. These players in particular, uh, like Luke Matheson, another one, not to name drop, but I'm using examples, you could give them a challenge and they'd already consolidated it. You know that learning cycle? They've already implemented it, consolidated it. They're looking for the next one. And actually, the intervention with them, sometimes it would be um, a very clear direction. Sometimes it would be almost like a trial and error and you, or trial and success. You're letting them have a go. Um, other times, it would be more peer-to-peer learning and having players give each other feedback. And there's different ways we can probably talk about that later, can't we, Yaz? But with, hit, with those players that I've mentioned you could give them more because they're already implementing stuff. Whereas with others, I couldn't simply because if I go and give them another challenge or I do another intervention, I stop it and I'm demonstrating something and I'm showing them and then I stop them again and maybe I do a drive-by chat or maybe I ask them another question. Well, hang on a minute. I've just stopped whoever, Johnny or whoever, and he's still wrestling with the previous challenge but then I've added another thing to think about. So we've got to be careful. And that, that's why I revisit back to that comment before where on average, and this was a recent study in 2022, we're, we're in a football environment, soccer for the American listeners, we're, we're asking over a question a minute, are we, asking, are we giving them too much? Um, and it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on that, Yaz, and even some of the stuff that you'll have seen, you know, for your own experiences, stuff that you probably witnessed even with the England youth camps or, or, or anything else on some of the coach ed courses you've been on. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot in there. And I think to start with, you, you, you're right. You know, we don't want to, not that it's a cop-out, but it does depend. I think it's knowing your players is key. So I think that's definitely spot on on that one. I think there's a few things to kind of really touch on in, in regards to what you said and unpack. First and foremost, you know, you, you know, you, you, You've mentioned that um, that quote from Alex Ingram on, on numerous occasions around does it help or hinder? And I think one of the things that coaches need to maybe consider in the future and or going forward is how often are they planning those interventions and who, uh, do they, and, and to what depth are they planning them? You know, who are they going to be intervening with? Why are they going to you know how are they going to be intervening with that individual or those individuals? And why are they going to intervene in that method? And I think that's the key thing to kind of consider within that. And you know, when you start looking at, you know, you talked there about having a question over over a minute. I don't think that's necessarily the end of the world. I think what you need to consider, though, is who are the questions being asked to? So when it comes to interventions, for me personally, the way I always break it down in my head is 
is it for one, is it for some, is it for all? Um, and all doesn't literally literally need to mean all, as in 100% of the group. But I kind of work on a ratio of 30, 60 and above. So if it's, if it's less than 60% of my group, the intervention is very different to what it might be for all the groups. So all the group might be over 60% of the group. I'm probably going to stop it. Whether that's using questions, whether that's using instructions, whether it's using commands or whatever else where, uh, you know, method I, I decide to go with. So I think that's one thing to kind of consider there. In terms of the questions, it's interesting because I've been having this conversation with quite a few people recently around um, what is an effective amount or, you know, when does when does intervention become too much and when does you know when it, when is it just enough and i think the key is recognizing why you're intervening so one of the other things beyond that is also trying to make sure you're doing you know an intervention doesn't necessarily have to be a correction an intervention doesn't have to be anything other than a praise it could be anything but the thing is it's about context are you giving enough detail the right level of detail within your question, within your command, within your instruction or your prompt that you're utilising with the players at any given point. So one of the challenges I kind of often set to coaches is try and have an intervention with every single player in the group because it's not necessarily the number of interventions that's going to be too many or too much, but maybe the length and the, and the, the depth of the information that you're going into might not be enough or too much. So it's just recognising that. But I think it's really important to make sure we are interacting and engaging and intervening with every single player in the group in any which way we decide to do that, whether that, like I said, whether that be a question, whether that be a command, whether that be, you know, a stop, stand, still demonstration type of intervention, if you like. And I think the other piece is obviously recognising that with your questions, what are you really trying to figure out? So one of the challenges and kind of tips that I give to coaches ahead of, ahead of planning the sessions is, right, if you've got, you know, your coaching points, your technical information that you want to you're given or, you know, as Tony would refer to it as key factors, then what are some questions that you can use which could tease some of those key factors out, key factors out of all the players? What are some of the questions that you can use to maybe prompt players based on previous conversations or discussions that you've had in the past in previous sessions or outside of the session even? And just looking at ways in which you're kind of tailoring those interventions. And I think, you know, the bottom line is it, it, it does depend in terms of what's too many and what's not enough. And I think recognising that each individual will need will need something different ultimately is the, is the first place to start. And it's, like I said, almost reflecting back on the experiences and the journey you've had with each individual player to try and assess in us ascertain where they're at on their journey of understanding around the topic the of, of the session the theme that you're covering in that session the technical piece that you're covering in that, in that intervention or it you know it might not even be related to the session today in, in terms of the theme itself it might be something that you've recognized over the past couple of weeks or even over the course of the season or it might be something in line with their individual development plans that you're now prompting them on within that session so it's just recognizing that the intervention doesn't always directly correlate to the theme or the topic of the session but it can link in as long as it's supporting and it's necessarily challenging and stretching the player's thinking and raising their awareness potentially, then I think I think you know you're 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 on the right track. Yeah, and I'm, something I'd want to add on all that, you know, I think it's fascinating. Is there's a comment? Uh, just a few things. I've got a few points here. One would be if we're talking about interventions. By definition, we're intervening, aren't we? So we're, there's an action or an interruption of some kind. 
within that environment, whether it be a practice environment or a, or a game environment. So today I'm coaching futsal with our games. I've called a timeout. That's an intervention, isn't it? I've got one timeout in each half. I've done it to ask the players questions or to provide information. If it's in a training session, it might be similar. You might do a, we don't call them timeouts, but like the freeze or whatever it might be, or you might do the drive-by or some of the other stuff you gave. My question to the group for something to consider would be, you know, how good are we uh, tracking what our interventions look like? I know within the EPPP, there's a lot of sometimes in too much where we're constantly documenting everything and we're, we're having to have records on everything. I'm not trying to create more work for people, but if we're really mindful of like how we've changed the practice, even by implementing this particular rule change, and some of it, a lot of it might be on the fly because you've got to coach what's in front of you. But are we remembering those things? Are we remembering that from one practice to the next, we've done these typical types of interventions? Do we ever reflect on how good, like, and I mean really properly reflect, or are we just designing another activity, another exercise, another set of rules, and not really joining the learning or joining obsessions? And yeah. I think a big part of this, what I'd want to finish on is, like when we're talking about interventions, I, I think reflection is a huge part of it. Because there's reflection on action, which is what I was referring to there, where you're reflecting on the event, is post. But how good are you at reflecting in action, live, during the moment? And for me, that's where the intervention piece comes in. Because if we're very good at consciously being self-aware and even reflecting and going, actually, this might not be working, or I might have given this player too much, or the player's too much, or I might have just intervened, let's just allow them time to experiment you know, they might not be getting it, but let's just see if they can figure it out. Or let's see if I can ask the players. That could be an intervention. Asking the players, in like, how can we simplify this? Or what can you do to make it more challenging or less? Or, and without going off on one, I'd want to summarise all that in, obviously, reflection's huge. Because that's a key headline message. I also believe, like, how, how can we make sure that when any intervention we're considering, and how you do this in your clubs will be different, but is what I'm about to say going to have an impact? So it's minimal disruption, but maximum impact. And I'll repeat that again. Minimal disruption, but maximum impact. Versus the other way, which is we're constantly disrupting and intervening, but we're not really having an impact. And that can only be come from having that reflection of that awareness of like how much is too much and what have you. And it links to what you said, Yaz. I think it's great, like personalisation. So are we personalising these experiences to the players? Who dictates the intervention? Does it always have to be the coach? Can it be players that dictate the intervention? You know, and, and th those would be the type of things. And just going back to the, the, the question piece, obviously me and you are very similar. We're, 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 and that's the culture now. And we ask a lot of questions and we want to empower players. And There's just a comment I want to throw out there and I find it interesting. It's an interesting one where with Tim Bradbury, if anyone knows him and he's in New York, works for US Soccer, he made a comment with me recently where he said he feels that at times we're becoming the Riddler with the questions that we ask. And, you know, not every player is responding to that. And it's almost, you know, are we becoming too much of a Riddler, in, even in some of our interventions where it's too ambiguous? And how can we become more clear? So just something to sort of touch on there, Yaz. I don't know anything you want to add on to that. Yeah, I think there's loads in there. You know, we'll start, we'll start right at the top. Obviously, you've been talking about, you know, being a red low with your questions. And I think this is where 
coaches um, maybe complicate things too much in that they, I think we're moving into a generation or a time now where coaches are actively encouraged to ask the players more questions. Now, that's great. We want the players to take some ownership. We want to find out the players' uh, understanding and challenge their you know, their perceptions and, and build an insight around their awareness. But I think the problem is, in, in a lot of contexts, the coaches often ask very closed questions, very leading questions, which satisfy the coaches' own egos to make sure that they feel like the players are on the same track that they want them to be on. And I think that's where it sometimes gets lost in translation in terms of the types of questions you're asking. You know, I had a situation recently where a co- I heard a coach ask a player, oh, you know, is that a good or a bad position? It's like, okay, player said bad, but the answer was really a 50-50 right or wrong. And we never figure out from that good or bad answer whether the, whether the coach actually understands what the player perceived to be good or bad. They just recognise that the coach player said bad. I thought it was bad. That means they understand the question I asked them and they've got the right answer. But there's no context at all. So I think he's using moments like that to really unpack the context. Um, you also mentioned there about, you know, who decides on the intervention and whether it should take place. And, you know, perfect example of that was just yesterday. I was, quite, you know, I was at a game with a group of players I'm supporting at the moment. And I literally was just there at the halftime team talk, listening to what was what was being said. And the player actually just turned around, looked a little bit confused, turned around to me and was just like, Yes, what can I do about this? You know, it's just not going good. And it's like, by her saying it's not going good, I could easily have just been like, okay, we'll do X, Y, Z. But the reality is this. That's an assumption that I'm making and that's what she's referring to. So I need to, I need for her to be able to articulate for me what she considers the situation to be that is not bad or not, or it's not bad or good, if that makes sense. So then you know, I said, okay, well, what's not good? She said X, Y, Z. And, and you know, then I have, kind of just through the back and forth conversation I established that she was struggling with her position in terms of where to be in relation to where the rest of the team shape is and where the ball is on the pitch when we're in possession and it was literally just getting that initial piece and unpacking the conversation with her to find out what she's actually referring to so that I can give her the right information otherwise it's you know it's, it's a waste of time and it's a waste of an intervention if you like around around anything that she's discussed and I think it's come back to what you said minimal disruption maximal impact you know and, and I often look at it as you know I use another phrase that kind of kind of marries marries in with that is minimal effort maximal impact now minimal effort means actually you talked about not allowing not having coaches do extra work but the reality is if you put the work in on the front end the rest of the process becomes much easier because you've already started to develop build and um, establish the context of where their perceptions are coming from You've already understood and, and laid in some foundations around what it is that they might need and what it is that you've already imparted on them. So actually putting that work in in the first initial stages makes your life easier at the end of it. And it's always, you know, the, a quote that's always stuck with me in life is, if it's hard, do it hard. If, it, if, it's, if it's done easy, then do it easy. But actually the reality is it only can get easy if you do the hard work first. So having those conversations, you talk about reflection in action and reflection on action. Actually, the reflection and action becomes a lot easier because you just check if you constantly check in and clarifying an understanding of what the players have taken away from the conversation or what the players have taken away from the interaction. You know, and it's a principle that I use within my own coaching and I share with other coaches to kind of impart on them is the show and tell principle. And it's quite simple. No matter what the intervention is, 
someone, whether myself or the player themselves, have to be able to demonstrate what it is. There has to be a visual representation of what it is. And if they can't give a visual, res- sorry, if they can't give a verbal representation or articulate themselves in that way, just show me what have you understood from that? Whether that's using a tactics board, whether that's just you moving around on the pitch or whether that's just you just giving me an example of the particular type of movement that you might be trying to ex- explain to me, there needs to be some visual representations because without that, you can be so far apart in your perceptions and understanding of what the actual discussion is about. So I think there's a lot, there's a lot in there and I think, you know, ultimately to summarise, just get the work done. Find out what the conversations are. Find out with each individual. And if you're having those conversations, I think one thing that's kind of quite interesting to me and has really kind of um, played a part in my interventions over the recent years and, and it's something that I'm really conscious of is the intervention must be left and attached to a feeling. There must be an emotion generated from the intervention. No matter what the emotion is, there has to be emotion attached to the intervention and ideally a more positive one than a negative one. Because if the emotion is attached to the intervention, not just for the player, but for myself, through clarification and checking of understanding and and, and develop a sense of awareness and, and perception, it's much easier to retain that information and it's much easier to recall that information in both for myself and the player around what that looks like in the future. So as an example, if I'm, you know, if I have integrity in what I'm doing and if I'm um, holding myself accountable as a coach, I want to know that my intervention that I just had with Gerard was a positive one to the point where actually if it wasn't a positive one with Gerard, it's going to make me feel bad. I don't want that feeling again. So I'm going to remember that time where I've actually imparted that information on Gerard and it landed with him in a negative way. Whereas going forward, if I can know that, that information, actually when I put that information to Gerard, I could see visibly in his face that was a light bulb moment. Or I could see visibly in his face that that praise was a, a moment for him to enjoy and, and, and embrace and, and rejoice in it, if that makes sense. And going forward, those are the moments that you can kind of then link back to. So then in future interventions, we'll be like, right, Gerald, remember that time when you felt like X, Y, Z because of that? And you'd be like, yeah, straight away, boom, recalls there, fine. Next question or next bit of information to layer on top. Just a, just a few insights there in it and a few ideas just to consider. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I agree, and I like the bit around the feel. I, I think they've got to see it and feel it. Love the emotion piece. I mean, how, how we comes back to that word that you use a lot, like the impact, the connection. And I think that, that's huge, like how we're connecting with these players, what, what makes them tick, like what intervention, whatever it may be, whether it be how we're constraining certain stuff, we're manipulating constraints, rules, whether it be a demo, whatever, how is that impacting the players and connecting with them on that emotional level so that we're, we're creating these like memorable moments? And there's a huge thing, without getting too fluffy, like we talk about a lot at Spalling because it's, it's a big part of the, the corporate side of it and the commercial side, and I, and I love it, is these, we talk a lot about like memorable moments, create memorable moments, and, and even like magic moments. So how can you turn either tragic to magic? That's a huge one. And I often think about that even in games like today, where there was a, there was a moment where just the defender blocking the vision of the goalie, defenders tried to go for it, it's made a mistake. This is in futsal, keeper, anyway, it's gone in. And then there was a few other individual errors that, that succeeded after that. Heads are going down. But then how do we turn? And then anyway, I'd done a timeout and to try and impact things. 
and then all of a sudden, you know, did a super sub, <laughs> got pure lucky with it. But uh, one of the players, Riley, scored, and it ended up changing. But even how you can just inspire confidence or whatever, like you said, or gain clarity, turn a tragic into a magic. Like they use these opportunities for mistakes as learning and growth. And so I think these are all huge in interventions because it's all about connections. And I'd be interested to see, again, like drawing from your experiences or even in the room, like anyone listening, you know, how, how does it look in your club? I mean, we've got a lot of different people who are listening at different experiences levels. You know, what does it look like for you and what are your beliefs around, you know, how much is too much and what what is the best way or some of the best ways you're intervening or have your coaches intervening? Yeah, just just while people are thinking about, you know, any anything to add to the conversation, any, anything to probe on, which, you know, just two things I want to kind of share. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Okay, one, the recent one, it just, it just kind of hit me as you were speaking there. Um, I actually did a, a small kind of piece of work on individual development plan of a particular, particular player. And it wasn't, it wasn't until I actually shared the work with the player that I realised how impactful it was. Um, so, you know, over, over the course of a couple of weeks and months, maybe, I was um, collating little clips, little bits of footage um, and kind of if you like, putting together a story or, of, of the journey that the player's been on. And before I'd even finished it, I, you know, I came to a match day and I could see that the player wasn't fully engaged. You know, the player was slightly disengaged. You know, it was almost... It didn't look like they wanted to be there for, for whatever reason. It could have been any, any reason. I didn't, I didn't, the reason wasn't important to me at that point. But all I knew is that actually there's a possibility that if I share this piece of work that I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of doing, 
it could change the perception of the player and have them engage in a different way. And actually, it did. The play, you know, the player was ultimately, first of all, surprised that I've been doing this piece of work. Second of, second of all, that you know, they were ecstatic at the fact that actually they there was a piece of work being done on them. Um, so you know, just another way to kind of interact and engage with the players around your interventions. It doesn't even have to be a message that you've completely, you know, you, you're actually giving them directly. It could just be right. Here's here's a bit of footage I put together. Here's some key information that goes that you know that's been annotated within the footage. Just have a watch, and that could be an intervention on its own. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be a direct co- uh, communication in terms of a conversation that needs to be taking place. And then second thing I was going to share, I can't remember what it was now. Um, it will come back to me. It will come back to me. And, and <laughs> getting old, mate. Getting old. Yeah, and I'm just trying to think what you. What, what, I can't remember what the last point that is that you made now. Uh, uh, tragic to magic. I was talking about. Magic to magic. That was it. Yeah. So just even asking players, literally asking your players, when was the when was when was the best moment that I've coached you, and why? What made that moment the best moment that I coached you? Equally, what was the worst moment that you've had ex- you've experienced with me as a coach, and why? And really, that you know that can start to tell you a bit of a story and a bit of a picture around. Uh, you know, paint a bit of a picture around some of the interventions which you may have been impactful, some of the considerations which you may or may not be making currently that have had a direct impact on the ability or your your uh, the effect in the, of the impact if rather of your interventions if and when that has happened at all. So just a couple of things to kind of consider there. Uh, we've got Tony, we've got Natasha. Tony, good evening, man. How are you? Tone, you have to unmute, unmute your mic, mate. Sorry, but I didn't hear you. Um, I didn't hear um, you bring me on board there. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm good, thanks. Happy New Year, everyone, and all that uh, seasonal rubbish. Um, <laughs> just a um, couple of points that um, that have come up. Firstly, regarding the the title, I guess, where we talk about how many interventions is enough and what's too many. Um, and I know that Gerard mentioned earlier on, um, you know, it depends. Well, it's a fairly fluffy answer a lot of the time. But actually, in this case, I think it's absolutely spot on. Because if if I plan a training session, um, for example, and everything's going well, my only interventions might either be the odd comment while the practice is going on about, you know, well done, good this, good that, whatever it might be. And, and then I can do that without stopping it. Um, I can, my only interventions might be to progress or regress the practice. Uh, but if it's going well, then obviously I won't need to regress it. Um, so I think that was, that was the first one. And then a point that you made, Yaz, earlier on about your interventions uh, um, affecting all the players. And this was something... Uh, that when I worked as a tutor for the FA, um, I used to stress quite a lot in in as much as the the old way of doing it with the FA was you'd have you'd coach your team of four effectively and you'd manage the the other the opposition side of it. So as long as you affected the players that were on your team that you were coaching to get your whatever it was, level two, level one award, that was enough. Now, that's all well and good. But when you're coaching in a, in a club environment, actually, 
if I've got a theme and I'm working with the defence, I I need to make sure that the the other team, if you like, get those interventions as well because ultimately they're all going to be playing together and they're all going to be playing for me and with each other on that weekend. So whilst I might affect directly a centre-half, for example, I might also casually mention something to the full-back or the other centre-back or a a midfield player because if they don't do what I need them to do, then the centre-back can't do the bit that I'm coaching him on, if that makes sense. I 100% agree with you there, Tone. You know, I say it all the time that, you know, even just having a conversation with Coach yesterday, regardless of what the theme is, regardless of what the topic is, if I'm working on, let's just say, an out-of-possession topic, I need my defenders to be doing what they need to do first. Because without that, the, pre- the, the pressure is unrealistic, the game is unrealistic, and therefore any work that I do with the in-possession team is not realistic, so there's no there's no true impact for that. So, you know, I, th- I think you're spot on there in terms of having that intervention and making sure that everyone is getting what they need out. Yeah, so like the the the, the casual comment um, to a player who's not directly involved in that in that immediate area of the ball can be just as valuable as the information that I'm giving to the ball carrier, for example. And it, But it's not, in I guess, in strictly speaking coaching terms, it's not an intervention for that player. But the intervention that I'm making needs interaction from other players that are in the surrounding area and also possibly away from the ball. Again, I think you're spot on. I think it's just a case of identifying what does this session need to continue progressing and who who needs that information. And, and once you've established those two things, just just intervene. You know, and again, it doesn't end. I think the key thing to kind of really highlight is I don't think there is ever a case of having too many interventions necessarily. Um, I think it's just recognising that the length and depth of the interventions are probably what's important. And I think the key, the key, the key for me is, and I was saying this to a coach earlier. There's many ways to skin this cat that we call coaching, but the bottom line is this: there's no perfect way. In fact, the perfect way is is the way the way it's, it, it 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 has the right impact. It does it does what you need it to do. So whether that is a stop stand still ten times in your session, whether that is thirty two questions in the course of ninety minutes, whether that is, uh, you know, six praises with some context, seven questions, two two command-style interventions where you've stepped in, stop, stand still, freeze or whatever you want to call it, and the rest are you know, just a bit of fly-by coaching where you're just dropping in little little nuggets. Whatever that looks like, if it's had the intended impact, then it's the right way. And that's just the way that I see it. So, yeah, But again, it comes back to the top of it, knowing your players, understanding what, who needs what, who reacts to what, when, you know, what's the context, what's the journey that they've been on. So if it's the first session that I've had with a player, it might be a bit more, uh, a bit more direct. Whereas if it's you know, um, or sorry, a bit more uh, um, open ended and trying to understand where they, what they're seeing and what they're not seeing. Whereas if it's some someone thing that I know I've unpacked for the player before on numerous occasions and we've had loads of conversations and it's been over a course of a couple of months, it might be a bit more direct and just say right, remember we had that conversation on such and such time where we talked about X Y Z. They recall it, bang. That's all we need you to do right now. 
as simple as that. It doesn't need to be long-winded. And I think that's the other key piece that we get to sometimes in terms of these intervention side of things is recognising what's too long and what's what's not what's not long enough. And um, what's not long enough is anything where the player's left without clarity. What's too long is where the player's got clarity and you're still going. And you need to understand each individual to be able to recognise that and understand their awareness, their perception, their understanding of what they've seen and what they've heard and what they've witnessed within your environment as well as the experiences that they've been on. So I know it's a bit bit long-winded there, but I think you're spot on tone. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the, I'll make just two more points if I may. Uh, firstly, um, one of you mentioned planned interventions earlier on, and, and I guess that this is something that I never do. I other than to change the practice, I, you know, I'm confident enough, I suppose, in my own performance as a coach, my own knowledge as a coach, that I don't, I don't plan to step in. I don't plan my question and answer. I'm able to, I believe that I'm able to coach what I see in front of me. Um, and if I need to step in, then I'll step in. If it's relevant, then I'll coach it. If it might be relevant, then I might need to coach it. But sometimes I can just keep my mouth shut. The other thing that, um, just on that last little point that you made there, Yaz, um, and it, it's a, a bit of a social media one. I'm sure I'm not the only person that said this. And it, it's probably better now that Twitter allows us to have more characters. But my, my point was, um, try and get your coaching the way that you do your tweeting. So now that you've got the 250 characters, it's a bit easier I think you spot, but just coming back to the previous one that you mentioned there, I think you know, you're talking there really about intervening in a way where, like you said, with experience, you're able to observe and assess what's in front of you and just step in on that. And I think that's great that you're able to do that. Obviously, that does take experience. It does take a good understanding of how to observe and you know break the game down effectively, um, which is something obviously which can come with time. I think more specifically, you know, when I'm talking about planning interventions, it's more looking at right, what are the things I'd want to be covering here? Because I think if I'm, you know, for any coach that maybe isn't as confident as that or as experienced as yourself, maybe Tone, it might be a step towards recognising, right, these are the things I'm looking out for. It might not be planning specifically what the intervention is going to look like necessarily. If you've gone to that extent, it's not an issue, then there's no problems with that. But it's actually giving enough attention to the things that you're going to want to cover and want to step in on on a positive note, but also recognising equally what are the things which could throw a spanner in the works for my session? Have I made enough considerations for those? What are those things? And if they do arise, how do I then deal with that? So I think it's just preempting some of the kind of um, things you're hoping are going to happen and things that you're expecting to maybe potentially cause there to be a delay or a breakdown in some of the information too. So I think it's just that, you know, when I'm talking about planning, more specifically, I'm looking at that aspect, but Equally, if people are out there planning what their intervention is going to look like with different players and the types of questions they then want to use, I definitely, you know, wouldn't wouldn't kind of um, discourage that either because I think that's a I think that's a great way to kind of start to build your insights and your knowledge around what it looks like. The only challenge you have with that, and this is what I, you know, I'd say a, a approach with caution, if you like, is don't develop it into a script which is what I see so many coaches do, especially early on in their journeys, especially when they're watching other people's sessions. Uh, and YouTube is probably the biggest, um, you know, instigator for this sort of thing. 
when you're watching videos of other people's sessions and I see other people, you know, I see, I might see a coach that's gone and watched someone else's session and now they're delivering in their environment and, you know, they're probably trying to deliver it exactly like it was seen to the point where, oh, that coach stepped in and said hello to one player on 13 minutes and now they're going to say hello to one player on 13 minutes. And it, it's, it's, it's comical at times, but it, it happens. And, I, you know, that's the one thing I kind of just say, like I say, approach with caution, try not to coach to a script, have some key things in your mind of what you want to look at and what you want to cover. And in line with that, when looking at it from a script perspective, don't just assume that, you know, you've got 60 minutes to your session that you're going to put four practices on that are going to be 15 minutes each because that's not how the game works. That's not how development works. That's not how learning works. Progress at the speed that the players are progressing at, not at your speed, not at what you've set out in stone. Let them be the dictators of the journey for that session and, and beyond. So just just another consideration on that one there. Natasha, good evening. How are you? Natasha? Oh? Can you hear you now? Yeah. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, it's a very interesting topic. I think you touch also base when, um, uh, when in other uh, occasions. I just want to underline, uh, pick up from what uh, Tony and yourself talk about um, knowing your crowd, knowing the players and uh, the one-to-one -one intervention, but also knowing yourself because sometimes as coaches, we tend to kind of sounds good to ourselves. So we stretch and over-talk or over-explain or uh, just making... Um, and that might be for insecurity, making the players understand that you know the topic, so you kind of more giving a lesson than coaching at times. I think it's very important to be self-reflecting and if you are doing an intervention for that specific player or for that group of players, um, for that specific um, idea that you have, or if you are doing an intervention, an intervention for yourself to sound good or to make an impression to the players. I think that is uh, key, and I think some of us um, might lead sometimes on that as well. No, I think you're spot on. The self-reflection piece is so key because uh, I think the key, like I said, the key the key moment for me is recognizing. I think it's one of the things I've developed over the years is sometimes just looking at the players. Have they got it? And the sooner I check the understanding and if I can pick up on visual cues in terms of, right, there's a bit of confusion on this player's face or there's a bit of confusion on that place. Well, that player seems like they've understood what I've said because you can kind of be like... With some players, when they get it, you see almost a sense of relief on their face. And as soon as you pick that up, you know it's time to move on. So I think it's just paying more attention to the players as you're giving the information to me that you know gives me a kind of a green light to say, right, you can stop talking now. And see what they come up with, um, but no, no, I really appreciate your insights there. And Tony, thank you for yours as well. Gerald, I don't know if there's anything you want to add. No, the only thing I would just say is like loads of great points made. Probably just just reconsolidating from before, which is making sure that we're not changing stuff for the sake of changing it making sure that we're, we're individualizing our message, that reflection on action in action is key. What does this mean to the players? How can we connect with them? And 
just know who needs what. It's knowing your players all the time, isn't it? Um, and I like that before we talked about, you know, minimal effort, maximum impact. You know, try not to disrupt the practice too much and be really purposeful in your interventions. Um, and it's okay to try something and not work as well. That's okay as well. And then we just think about, well, why hasn't it worked? What can we do differently? Um, but it's just important that we're not chucking. I think in the past, there's often been, whether it be with rule changes or coaching interventions like demos or whatever it may be, it's almost like chucking spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. And we've got to be careful that we're not trying to shoot loads of messages out. Because don't forget, the game is a lot of messages. You know, there's over a billion pieces of information in the game. You know, they're constantly thinking. So it's picking the moments of when's this going to really be useful. And obviously that comes with it. A hundred percent. And just to kind of, you know, add on to that, a couple of key things for me to kind of leave with you guys to think about. First of all, ask your players what their thoughts are on the interventions. Get some, get some insight around what the most impactful interventions you've had with them are and what the least impactful interventions are and get the rationale as to why. Really understand what it was with each player and why it was like in, in that way. You know, what, what are some of the considerations for around that? I think secondly is recognising that, like you said earlier, who's driving the intervention. Try and create an environment where the players can also be the ones making the interventions. Try and create that environment where the players feel comfortable to say, actually, I've got a question. And it's not been prompted by anything that you've said or in particular, it's just it might be prompted by an observation that they've made in the session and that or in the game, in fact. So that, you know, that's the second one. I think the final one to kind of leave on really is. And if you're if you're just trying to experiment with, you know, different ways of intervention or intervening rather. And you're not sure where you need to start or how much you need to be getting on with. The one key message I'd leave you with is just focus on one thing one thing with the whole group and if you've got specific players you want to support focus on one thing just nail that one thing in that session not too much not too not too little just that one thing and if they get it great but if you start thinking about you want to do one two and three or maybe four you might never get there so just just you know just take one step at a time one thing is the focus of the session looking at different ways in which you can intervene on that one thing layering on top of it in terms of stretching and challenging and adding the next you know building on the foundations that you set with that individual then that's probably a great way to start and obviously that journey is not just that one session thinking back and recalling the piece that i talked about earlier try to invoke emotion and feeling in your interventions with the player whether that's a positive or negative emotion is you know obviously will have an impact on how effective it is but ultimately if you can leave them with a feeling a positive one and then you get a clarification on that it's much easier for them to recall it and for you to refer back to it in future conversations and any interventions you make going forward so just a final piece from me um gerard do you want to, you want to sign off and let them know a little bit about you learnbly Yeah, so anyone interested in coming on any of our courses, you can find out more. So Digital Coach Education Platform, you can download the free app, access a range of courses, tons of free content on there. There's some new content around best practices at some of the, the top academies around the world. So, And the whole 
it's interesting we're talking about interventions being personalised and knowing your players. The whole reason I created you Learnly was to make learning individual. Um, it sounds really <laughs> fluffy type of thing, but I was just thinking like you learn beautifully, you know, learning is beautifully. And that's why I went you as in you, your own in your own learning. So that's the, the reason behind the name. So if you, you click on the Twitter handle, you'll be able to go to the link, simple as that, and go from there. Uh, any questions, reach out to us. We're delivering a lot of coach education at different clubs in the MLS and, and the Premier League and the Football League. So you're welcome to, to join in on that as well. And even some of the webinars that, you know, we're doing right as with, with yourself and the Coaches Network and some of the FA stuff that we've got coming up. 100%. So, guys, just, just to kind of tell on what um, Gerard said there, if you want to find out more, get in touch with us. Make sure you're following us. We're here every week, every Sunday, um, discussing different topics, different themes, anything that you want to hear discussed, please please get in touch let us know. Um, you can find out more on the Coaches Network podcast. Obviously, you learn the platform which Gerald has shared there. And just a quick reminder as well, guys, we've got a upcoming webinar in two weeks' time on Wednesday night um, around individualised coaching. Um, so if you want to find out more about that, feel free to head over to one of our pages. Um, there'll be some information there. And if you're struggling to get in, get signed up to that, let us know and we can, we can help you out. But is there, is, there's a lot of exciting stuff that myself and Gerard are working on. Um, so just watch this space. Um, plenty of opportunities for coaches to continue interacting just like we're doing here in this space. And ultimately, guys, we're here to help one another, support one another, continue growing and networking as coaches. Um, so hopefully we can get the best out of that situation too. But guys, until next time, it's been a fantastic evening. Happy New Year to everyone. Take care. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favourite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.